Good morning. I'd like to introduce myself. My name's Greg. Yeah, it has been a while. You know, it has been four weeks. Can you believe that? Four, not since I've seen everybody, because I see you on Tuesday nights, but it's been four weeks since I've preached. Is that crazy? And I'm ringing. <laughs> yeah. And it's been strange being kind of out of the loop for so long, especially when you're sick. I mean, the, the, the holidays can be that way anyway. And I'm hearing a lot of sickness out there. What, what was it, I think Jeff said Tuesday night, or I think it was Jeff, he said, like, there's a lot of germs floating around in this room, and, you know, yeah. But, uh, but it's all been very interesting to me, even, even this whole faith walk. I, I, I said from the very beginning, back before we were a church, when we were just a, a college group, and, and, and I, I always made this promise that all along the way, every step of the way, this wasn't about, about me teaching anything. This was about me sharing my life. And, and about me sharing my journey that, that really paralleled so many others' journey. And, and it's no different today. And, and so I share with you that, <coughs> excuse me, that the, the last four weeks have been, have been interesting because of this thing we call faith. You know, when the Lord told me to preach on faith this morning, I'm like, wow, I don't think there is any single subject that I've preached about more than faith. Lord, how, how are you going to make a, a, a concept of faith fresh? And, and you know, he, he didn't really answer me, except that he said, that's what pleases me. And faith is what pleases him. So, so how we make something fresh that pleases him every day is by just seeking him in it. So I, I want to talk about faith today. And, and to be honest with you, um, the Lord didn't give me a lot of parameters on this. Because I've been in that place myself where, God, I just need to see you move. Now, I don't know if this is because of being sick, because when, when you're sick, you kind of get displaced from everything. You, you, um, you unplug, if you will. And I'll tell you what, I've not been that sick in a long time. You know, the Lord knew, because he went to Lex preach last week, and he knew the only way that was going to happen is if he flattened me out. Because if I was able to at all, I would have been here. But I knew Saturday morning, we had a, what we call a gifts meeting Saturday morning. And I knew Saturday morning when I, I had asked the Lord, I said, I said, Lord, is there a reason you haven't given me anything to preach yet on tomorrow? And, and he, he said, yes, there is a reason. But he, he didn't give me the reason. He just said, yes, there is a reason. But immediately I knew right then it was because I was not to preach. See, he wanted Alexis to preach last Sunday morning. And, and I remember thinking in my mind, Lord, 
you know, it will have been three weeks. You know, why, why so long? And, and, and I remember him saying, I need her to trust me as you trust me. I need her to not know that she's about to preach. And she didn't. If you ask her, and I think she, I listened to the tape, I, I think she even mentioned this, that she kept saying, no, no, he'll be fine, he'll be fine, you know, Greg, he'll, he'll make it through, and, and then just get sicker afterwards. You know, but, but that night, God made it very clear, very clear, certainly to me, but I think to her, because I kept her up all night, um, that I was not going to be preaching the next day. So she walked into the pulpit not knowing what God had for each of you. And I want to tell you that's a very unique place to be. It's a very unique place of faith to be. Because we're, we're not here with some grand scheme and some grand plan to take you from point A to point, point B. If we are, then we're in trouble. Because that's not what God wants. What God wants is for us to look up. What God wants is for us to trust him. And the reason we're talking about faith today isn't just because of Alexis' faith last Sunday or my faith perhaps today, but your faith sitting right there in the seat that you're in. Because where you're at in your life is in the middle of a very important faith walk. You're in the middle of perhaps the greatest challenge of faith in your lifetime. I know we've talked about for a long time just the Lord's calling on this church, the Lord's calling on our lives, what he wants to do here. We've been talking about this for a long time. But, you know, through the acceptance of understanding that calling, there also comes testing of that faith. You know, I've I've shared with you guys um, many, many times just how this, this thing, whole, whole thing began for me. Um, I was a builder. I was a worship leader. And there came a point in my life when I just, I just needed more from God. It, it wasn't enough to just keep moving. It wasn't enough to, you know, well, I'm comfortable you know, I have a lot of friends, I have a leadership position, I have a good business, <coughs> something, by the way, I really enjoy. But see, what was missing was the fact that I knew for a fact I was in the extraordinary, because I wasn't. But that's what I wanted. As I started to go through Acts, I had read Acts many, many times, but I had started to go through Acts in a new and fresh way. And, and just seeing all that God had done. And this was after Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. So this was what he was doing through people. And I saw that in the beginning of the church, what we are today, the ecclesia, the, the church, I started to see what God did in people. And you've all read that. You all understand. You know the miracles. You know what, what Paul did. What an amazing, amazing man Paul was. But 
But then it really started to hit me hard. Why don't we see this today? Why don't we see these miracles today? Why don't we see just this absolute profession of faith today? See, what you see today is you see pockets of these things. You see pockets of of amazing moves of the Lord, but you don't see an overall sweeping force that you see in the book of Acts. That's how it started for me. What I didn't know at the time was what it would take to get to that point. What I didn't know at the time was that the testing of the faith was the very building of the faith. See, look in your own life. And what God has called you to, what God has led you in, there have been things that you believed in, believed that he wanted you to do, but then yet there was testing in that. You had to come to a point that you believed that stronger than the testing, right? We've all experienced that. Some now may be in the middle of that testing for wherever God has you in your life. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. When we talk about faith, you can't talk about faith without understanding what faith is and this hallmark of examples of faith, and that's Hebrews 11. But there's something about Hebrews 11 that that I think... We need to draw out this morning. But let's let's just begin in verse 1. What is faith? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So immediately we know right away, faith is not something that's going to be proven by seeing. If you're expecting to be seeing something before you have had full fruition of faith, then that's not faith. See, if we we were to have seen God before we believed in God, then that would not be faith in God. If God were to come here right now and we had a bunch of people that did not know Him as Savior, and He were to say that He is God, show that He is God, and we see the manifestation of His Godhead, And then believe, see, that's not faith. What is faith is to believe without seeing. To believe and have conviction of that belief of something that we don't see. Doesn't mean you can't see evidence of. Obviously, we see evidence of God. We see his creation. We see how even Hebrews 1, how the the world is held together by the power of his word. Right? We see evidences of God, but we don't see God. For by it the people of old received their condemnation. condemnation commendation. Alright. Verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Again, even the very creation was created through faith through faith of God's own spoken word. And he goes and he begins to list these people, these 
Hall of Faith people in history. And you start to look at some of these names, and they're names we recognize in the Word of God. You know, there's lists that Abel offered a greater sacrifice than Cain, and it talks about Abraham, it talks about Enoch. Enoch had so much faith that he was taken, he never even died. He walked with God. God knew him and God took him. This was all based on faith. And then verse 5, what I was just saying, by faith Enoch was taken up that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. God was so happy with him, he said, why don't you just stay up here? Can you imagine that? How cool would that be? You know, we hang around each other so often anyways. You're up here all the time anyways. Why don't you just stay? How cool would that be? But it was because he pleased God. Verse 6, verse six and without faith, it is impossible. Do you understand that? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. So understanding that, we have to understand that by every measure of faith is how we please God. So see, you could please God a little bit. You could please God a lot. It's all based on that measure of faith. And and that measure of faith is a living, breathing thing. See, I've been saved for 43 years. I believe in God. It's not enough for me to just believe in God, like it might have been 43 years ago, right, to please God. If, if, if all I do is believe that God exists, then I have not grown in my faith. So as you sit in your lives right now, what you're going through has a reason for it. What you face in your life when you make a decision for Christ, what you face in your life that has come through trial, and not of your own accord, by the way. I'm not saying if you bring something on yourself, that's God. But when you step out for the Lord, and you step out in faith, and you hit trials of that faith, understand that those trials are to strengthen you. See, the last four weeks have been a trial for me. Specifically, the last couple of weeks. You know, we've talked about the building. We all know about the building, right? We all know what Jesus said about the building. I've said it to you a hundred times. But see, is my faith based on my thought of who God is? Or is my faith based on who God is? See, look at your own life, what you might be going through yourself right now. Is your faith based on who you thought God is or who he really is? Our trials that we go through are for a reason. Our trials that we go through are to produce the very pleasing relationship that Jesus said in Hebrews 11 makes him happy. 
Right? So if you want to please God, be prepared for difficult things. That's kind of, kind of stinks, doesn't it? You mean to please you, I have got to go through difficult things. Yes. Jesus did. Jesus came and he did only what the Father told him to do. And yet look at his life. He, he had no pillow to lay his head. He had no home. Most people hated him. The ones that followed him wanted something from him. And when he got in their face, everybody left him. Ultimately, including the ones closest to him. So why should we expect anything different when we ask for the same? That's what blew me away. It's like God was saying to me, Greg, you've said to me that you want to be close to me. So why in the world would you ever think that it would be any different than my own son? Who had to go through the very same trials that we do, who had to deal with the very same skeptical people that we do. But yet look at the glory that he brought his father. Now see, I want to submit that all these people, you know, Abraham, David, you know, even Paul, and Paul's not listed in here, but it's because I believe Paul's the writer. But all these people in this hall of faith they had one thing in common. I want to start by, by reading about Abraham. Let's look at uh, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of that same promise. Okay? Abraham was given a promise. He was given a promise of land, of becoming a nation. Right? He lived in this promise. But what was his real understanding that I think flipped it from being a normal faith to being an extraordinary faith. It's the next verse. For he was looking forward to a city, to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Think about that. See, he saw the future of what God promised as something that God built from the very foundation that he was going to be a part of. By the way, he's not talking about this earthly kingdom. You have to remember their mind frame. Their mind frame was one day a coming Messiah. It's no different than our mind frame today. We know that one day Jesus Christ will come in victory... And he will claim his bride. 
He will establish his city and he will rule here on earth, taking the throne of David. See, that's what was on Abraham's mind. It wasn't what was before him. What was before him? He was living in tents. I don't care how wealthy Abraham was. It can't be that good living in a tent all the time. Right? He trusted the Lord. He trusted that what God was doing was building something spectacular that was going to lay the very foundation of what he was going to do later. Remember, at this point, Abraham doesn't know of all that we know in biblical history now. Right? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't know about David. He doesn't know about, about Jerusalem. He doesn't know about the temple yet. Abraham was the very beginning of the children of Israel. He didn't know any of that. All he knew was that one day I would be with my Savior. One day I would be with my God. I would live with him in a city that he built, that he runs, that he controls, that is perfect. See, Abraham lived for a different day. We can't be any different than that. It's so easy to get bogged down in this world, in this life. Bogged down in the fact that, you know, my career isn't going how I planned. Money certainly isn't working out the way I planned. Schooling is a lot harder than I had planned. Or maybe I should have gone this way and I went this way. You know, often these things in life... They, they really, they put together what we see as life. And, and I've, I've talked before how important it is to get beyond that. How important it is to see the real reality of what's going on. The real reality of eternity, spending that with Jesus Christ and where he is. And then when you do that, when you think that way, you can pull back and feel, okay, Lord, this life's yours. I don't want to make the decisions in this life. I don't want to set my own parameters in this life. Why? Because I'm already with you. I'm already thinking of that city whose foundations are built by you to be with you. See, you look at all these people in the word of God and, and the extraordinary things that they did. You look at Gideon. Right, We've talked about getting many, many times. You look at David. You look at the disciples. You look at all the extraordinary things that they did in life. And you compare that to yourself. I, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you don't. I do. I did the first time I started reading Acts a few years ago and really going through it, saying, Lord, why does this not happen now? I started looking at these, these people. They're people like you and me. Although they were at a given time, an ordained time. But what made them different? What made them different than me? Certainly we could say their time. However, I believe that we are at a time in history 
where more will be done through the bride of Christ than ever before. Okay, so time perhaps is not the issue. So what's the real difference then? You know, as I'm reading this and I'm praying and I'm wanting to know, Lord, tell me the real difference. Tell me how I can be inserted into this chapter. How can I make a difference? How can I please you? As, as we've been talking, you know, prior to four weeks ago. How can I lay my treasures up in heaven and not here on earth? And he keeps bringing me back to this concept of faith. He keeps bringing me back to this concept of, of believing in something I cannot see, but just trusting in what he is telling me, trusting in what he's telling me in the word, trusting in what he tells me in my own personal time with him. This faith that pleases him. But see, he keeps showing me that for faith to become extraordinary rather than normal, it comes by having this equal belief with all of these people right here in chapter 11 that we don't do this for right now. We do this for a time that we are going to be with you, Jesus. You ever think about that? You ever think about really what it's going to be like? I know we do when things are tough. You know, when you're really sick and you don't want to go on or, 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 or you've got some horrific thing happening. It's like, God, please just end it now. I'd be so much happier just with you. But how about the other times? How about when things are going well? How about when things are moving along the way that we think they're supposed to? Where's our faith then? See, that's, I believe, the greater test. And that's, I believe, where we're at as a church. Because that building is ours. I don't know what he meant by in, the word in, in 2016. I, I can't, can't tell you what he meant by that. Except that when I asked him, he smiled. But I can tell you that I believe him. And as, as I cry out to him, I, I, I say, Lord, I just, I just ask for your manifestation because I, I, I want your vindication. Because, see, people out there laugh. People out there laugh at me, laugh at us. Call us a cult. Call us ridiculous. Call us crazy. Well, you know, their, their intentions are right. Their intentions, they love God and their intentions are good. But they're, they're, just, they're just a little mixed up. And you know what? I'm okay with that. But there comes a point where God does what he says he does. And where the vindication is his. And I thought if nothing else was accomplished this morning, I want to stand before you and I want to tell you that my faith has not wavered.
Not even a little bit. Not even an ounce. I am so positive in what the Lord is doing in each of you, in me, in this church, in this area. I don't understand his timing. Honestly, I don't care. Why? Because my mind's with him anyways. My mind is hoping for that day, that day of glory when I am with him physically 100% of the time. So what does it matter in what timing he does things here as long as it is his best timing? But you have to understand that what pleases him is our faith. In that faith, to produce faith, there is more testing, right? There's testing of that faith. There will always be testing of that faith. But don't believe that because the testing of the faith is, is what pleases him and he gets to receive all this faith, that nothing ever comes of it. Look at everybody that we just, you know, in this chapter, chapter 11. Look at the things they did. Every one of them were world changers. Every one. See, do you believe you could be a world changer? I mean, we're American. Yeah, I could be a world changer, right? That's kind of like the programmed response. But do you really believe it? See, the world's a big place. I remember thinking that when, when I started on this journey and, and uh, the various times that I would fly across the United States it, 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 and the world for that matter, especially at night, and you, you look down and look at all the millions and millions of lights and I just think, wow, this world is a lot bigger than you think. So to be a world changer, that's extraordinary. Each of these people were extraordinary world changers. Why? Because they were really awesome? I doubt it. I mean, Scripture certainly doesn't lay it out. There was nothing different about David versus the rest of his brothers. In fact, he was the shortest. He was the last. He was the runt. Nobody liked him. Certainly his brothers. But yet he was a world changer. Do you see yourself as a world changer? Because, see, there's a cost to that if you do. There's a cost to that if you want to be a world changer. There's a cost. And you know what? That cost will be laid out in many different ways. But... The greatest way will always be faith. It will cost you faith. It will cost you a great angst in your faith. Where you will be laying there at times thinking, I have nothing to hold on to this faith with except for the fact that you've said yes, Lord. That you have called this. That you have told me to do this. That's the only thing I I have to hang on. It's just that. See, he has to bring you to that place. 
That's the testing of our faith, but it's also the breaking through of that barrier. Timing is the Lord's. And that's something that I'm learning. I'm learning more and more that you're just asking him for trouble if you ask him the word when. Right? And, and that is the absolute truth. If you ask the Lord when, and he gives you a parameter, rest assured you're going to have faith tests in that parameter. It's really easier just to develop our perspective to say, Lord, I believe you, I trust you, you do it in your timing because I'm already with you. I'm already living for another day. I'm already, this life is yours. I don't care about this life in, in terms of making my own choices. I give it to you. Why? Because I'm already there with you. I already live in that city that you've built, that you run, that you control. That's, that's what Abraham did. That's what, that's what the, the writer here of Hebrews said that was the commonality amongst all these people. They lived for a different day. Do we live for a different day? doesn't mean that you check out of this life. Clearly, none of them did. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Each of them were world changers. So they didn't check out of this life. It's just where their hope was, where their sight was, where their faith was, was in a different time. It was with a coming time. And it says later on, it said that none of them received the things that were promised in this life. But yet... They all believed and had that faith. And they, I just want to read the, the chapter, or verse 14, because it ties them all together, and it's what I've been saying. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. What are you seeking? What are we as a church seeking? Are we seeking a building? Are we seeking to expand to Nigeria, to Germany, to Australia, to these places? Are we seeking to grow? Are we seeking a homeland? See, if we're part of something bigger, then you have to seek that which is bigger. If Jesus Christ has a plan in putting all of this together then our only responsibility is to put ourselves in a place where we can be used by him. And Hebrews 11 says the only way we can do that is by faith. Turn to John chapter 14. You know, I think of the disciples, and, and we use them as examples all the time, because I think they are such great examples of how God can use people. Because these were not great people. These were common people. Some were educated, some were not educated. Some were worldly, some were religious. But all of them were your basic people like what we have in this church. 
And yet you look at what God did in developing their extraordinary faith, and they changed the world. Literally, they changed the world. Now, Jesus, taking his 12 disciples, and and where we are here in in chapter 14 is just before everything happened when he was on the cross. So this is at the end of his ministry with them. This is his end of his time with them, pouring into them and everything else. And I love the fact that he takes this time, his, one of his last opportunities to pour into the, the 12 that he has loved so desperately. He takes this time and he pours into them faith. Verse 1, let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now he begins to paint a picture for them. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. Let's let's just keep reading. Verse 4. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know the Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, for it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the accounts of the works themselves. Let's stop there for a second. See, Jesus is trying to establish a faith in them, an understanding of faith. Why? Because he knows they're about to be tested. Within days, they are all going to abandon him. Everyone. Their faith is going to be tested in such a way that it will rock their world. So what's he do right at the beginning? He said, he points their eyes to something else. He said, do you not understand? I go to prepare a place for you. Not in this time. In a different time. In a different space. I go to prepare a place that you will be with me in. He said, get your focus on that. Get your focus on what he has for us after this life. Why? Because then the cares of this world don't overwhelm. They don't overtake us like Satan intends for them to. He took their focus and placed it where it needed to be. But then he's talking about 
believing in that. He said, if you can't see me in the Father and the Father in me, then believe it by the very works. They've spent the last three years seeing the miracles of Jesus Christ. They have seen the manifestation of the Father through the Son in miracles of healing, raising of the dead, provision, all kinds of miracles. He said, he said, if nothing else, believe in that. If you have to have a manifestation to believe in, then believe in what you've seen. Believe in the miracles that, I, that the Lord has done through these. But then he shifts it. And I love this. Verse 17, or verse 12, I'm sorry. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. See, for me, that brings me full circle. That brings me full circle back to the thing when, when I was reading Acts and saying, Lord, why don't we see this today? Why don't we see this today? I want this in my life. I want to be a part of you manifesting in my life. Why? Because you promised you would. Why haven't you? What have I missed? Well, if you know my history, you have to understand that before he can manifest anything in you, you have to believe. Because he operates in this vehicle called faith. So when we look at this and we truly believe this, it isn't for our glory that he begins to do it. See, I don't know why there's delay. But I know why he does this in people. And we've been praying for Carson for so many years. But it hasn't manifest yet. Does that mean we were wrong? Or does that simply mean it's not God's timing yet? We were told a year and a half ago that we would be getting into this building. It hasn't happened. Does that mean we were wrong? Or does it mean that God's timing hasn't happened yet? Don't get me wrong. We can do things to thwart the plan of God. We can make choices. I can make choices in my life that would thwart his plan for my life. If I were to turn against him and say, I don't believe you anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. I will, I, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not this and not that. I can make choices that would thwart his plan for my life. I did that for 25 years. Now, praise God. He goes into overtime mode 
to get our attention. You could probably look in your own life where there have been times that you've run away from something you know he wants in your life. And praise God, he is faithful and just to love us through that. Not to condemn us through that, but to love us through that. So I'm not talking about the choices we make. I'm talking about what seems to happen around us. Okay, I, I can tell you from my own standpoint, unless he shows me something differently, I've done everything that I need to do for the manifestation of this building. Everything. I've been obedient in everything he said to do. So it's not by my choice that we're not in it. It's got to be by his timing. But see, his timing's also perfect. And that's the beauty of 2020, when you could look back on something and say, okay, yeah, that makes sense why it happened when it did. But what happens if you're before that? That's where you've got to have extraordinary faith. That's where your faith has to be such, not that God can do it. See, God can provide that building for us. God can provide a job for you. God can provide relationships for you. God can do everything. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceeding abundant. He is able. And that's where we get stuck. Well, of course God can do that. Of course God can provide a building. $10 million building and you have no cash. Right? Of course he can do that. God is able to do anything. I already figured for, for us to be able to pay for that building, if he were to like provide gold for us, that'd actually be pretty inefficient because we would need about 700 pounds. That's a lot of gold, right? Anybody watch Gold Rush? Seriously, people, that is the best show on TV. <laughs> okay, 700 pounds is about what we'd need. Okay, is that how he's going to provide? I don't know. He can do it any way he would like. He can have them just give it to us for free. <coughs> the only thing I do know is it's my desire for him to have all the glory for it. But see, that's his desire too. I don't believe he'll do it in a way that someone can take glory for it. Right? So I believe he can. I know you believe he can. But do you believe he will? See, that's the difference from regular faith to extraordinary faith. Is when you, when you paste a will to it. See, Abraham didn't just believe that he could provide a promised land for them, that he could develop a nation in him. Of course he believed that. But he acted on something greater. See, he believed what, he believed what God said to him, that he would do it. Not that he could do it, but that he would do it. How about David? 
When David was anointed by Samuel the, to be the king, it was 20 years, 20 years before it came to happen. How about Abraham when he said, you're going to have a son? It was 20 years before Isaac came. I don't know what the deal is with 20. Right? How about Paul? When Paul was, was met on the road to Damascus and he was, he was told that, that he was to follow Jesus Christ. Can you imagine how excited Paul must have been immediately? See, Paul was a zealot. Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. If you understand the Pharisees, if there is one thing that they were, it was passionate. I mean, it was in the wrong direction. They were passionate about being right. They were passionate about what they believed in they would die for. You know, Paul did anything as a Pharisee to do what he believed was right. He approved of them, oversaw the stoning of Stephen. He was passionate. So you can imagine when he, when he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and realized that he's been persecuting the wrong person. You mean Jesus? You mean you really are the Messiah? Yes. Do you think that when, when, when he realized that, became blind, three days later was healed of that blindness, do you think he was passionate? Yeah, I think so. I think someone like Paul was going nuts not to move. Do you know it was 17 years before he started his first real sense of ministry? 17 years. This was not a matter of training. Okay? Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was trained under Gamaliel. He was trained by the best of the best. So it wasn't a matter of, well, you need to be in school for 17 years. <laughs> right? So what was God doing that whole time? I don't know. But I could tell you one thing that was the result of it. It's Paul's faith. See, if it, 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 later on in the book of Acts, Paul lists this resume that he has, right? Well, I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been, you know, this and that. I've been stoned. I've been, all these things. Do you think he could have gotten through even one of those if his faith was not ready? If his faith was not extraordinary? I would almost say if there's one, and you really can't narrow it down to one person, but if there was one person that had the greatest impact that we read in the Word of God outside of Jesus Christ himself, it had to be Paul. And, and look, I mean, Paul had so many things in common with Jesus Christ. See, Jesus, he was, he was a rabbi. He had great knowledge of the word. So did Paul. They were both passionate. You know, Paul literally changed the world. They were both hated. I really am looking forward to meeting Paul. But I don't know that he gets along with people very well. Maybe it's changed now. I don't know. 
Okay, but you look at these people, and what sets them apart is their extraordinary faith. What's going to set you apart? Are you good with just kind of muddling through life? So I, I don't know about you, but I'm not. I don't think any of us are. If God had a platter laying before you and saying, I'm offering you my best, would you take it? Knowing that there's a cost to it. Knowing that that cost is your faith. Knowing that that cost is believing what he says. Not what he can, but what he will do. God can do anything. Doesn't mean he's going to do it in your life. God will do it in your life when you apply the extraordinary faith that he once applied. Because that pleases him. See, I think it pleases him that I stand up here and say that building is ours. I don't know what he meant by in, but it's ours. And, and I know it's not renting it either. Because what he wants to do is extraordinary. And he's going to show himself extraordinary. Why? Because he has given us all these things to do. He's giving us all these things to be excited about. If you knew in your own life, if you knew that there, let's say if you're dealing with difficulty health-wise, if you knew there was a perfect healing coming your way, and you knew that you would be placed on a path that would be exactly in his will, being game changers in your life, being game changers in Newark and throughout the world, and all it cost you was everything. Would you do it? All it cost you was your belief that he will and not just that he can. Would you do it? See, I'm here to tell you that's exactly what he's doing here in Ignition Church. He's told us about healings coming. He's told us about provision coming. He's given us so many visions about things that he wants to do and is going to do. Do you believe he can do it? Or do you believe he will do it? Because it's that faith that literally fuels his yes. That's how it was with all these people. When Abraham didn't just believe that he could, but he actually stepped out, moved away from his family, lived as a nomad, going into a, a place that was promised him. He added action to that faith. What action do we add to our faith? I've, I've had people ask me, do I regret saying some of the things that I've said? 
Not even for a moment. Not even for a moment. Because if it is that faith that pleases the Lord, and nothing ever happens in this life except me pleasing Him, then that's okay with me. But see, I believe more than the fact that He can do it. Of course I know He can give us a world outreach. He could give us a $10 million building. He can do this, can do that. But see, my faith shifted a long time ago to that he will. And that's where he wants us, that he will do it. And we are the examples of that faith. As he does provide, we're the examples to this area and everywhere else that he puts us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we...